if he guessed that that was Farrah Sanders, then you know your music. That was Farrah Sanders with his very, very famous Equinox. This is Lead Stories. I'm Eutrice Lead. And today, a very special program begins. A very special feature of our program begins. And this is the first in a series of special talks you'll be hearing on Lead Stories. Many listeners responded to an open invitation that I uh, extended some time ago to present their views on an issue or subject that deeply concerns them. They suggested their own topics and will take questions at the end of their presentations. Okay, I'm hearing a beep here. What is that beep? Okay, I'm not hearing anything. (laughs) I don't understand what the beep is, but it has stopped. So you will hear the first of those presentations today coming from, well, you know his voice by now, I think, Uh, Ed from Queens. Ed from Queens is how we know him, but his name is Edward Duzant. And he is going to make the case for reparations. The case for reparations is his topic today. After he has delivered his talk, he will take questions, and I will kind of help put things together in terms of uh, some kind of order. (laughs) So you will know you can't see him. He can't see you. So we will do it this way. We'll still get the job done. All right. The case for reparations by Edward Duzan. Hello, Ed. Hello. Can you hear me? Yes, but uh, we need a little bit more volume. Hello, can you hear me now? Is it better? Yes, I can hear you now. Well, having a little and technical I'm issues, I guess. To have you with us, I'm delighted that we are under your instruction and guide guidance today, as we discuss the case for reparations. Why did you choose this topic? Well, um, thank you for the opportunity, by the way. I appreciate it. And welcome to the listening audience. Uh, as you stated, my name is Edward Duzant. And why I've chose reparations is because I've been involved with, uh, I've been involved with the, with, with the plight of African American people since my birth. By birth, I am African American, so that plays a large part in why I feel that, uh, Reparations is an important topic for our development or our lack of development in this country, and uh, it's a it's a it's a it's a a cause that is dear to my heart because I feel that this government and this country owes our, owes my ancestors, as far as African Americans is concerned, a debt, a large debt. This country wouldn't be what it is if it wasn't for the blood, sweat, and tears of my ancestors, giving their lives, giving their, their, their intellect, giving their, their, their work ethic, their abilities, their talents to build this nation. And, and I believe it's, it's a long, ignored, long, overlooked debt, and that the only way that this nation can move forward is if that debt is repaid. And that brings me to okay. my case for reparation. That's First, very what all summary? Say, but what say. I'd like to do now is to give people a sense of how this would work. Uh, Ed will take over from here, and he will proceed with his presentation. I will kind of jump in when it's time to wrap things up and prepare for your questions. Please make sure 
that you have a question and not an essay. Okay? We want direct questions. It gives us maximum use of time. All right, so Ed, you can begin. Okay, thank you, Beatrice. And well, that brings me to my first point. Before we can discuss anything, we need to have a clear, or I like to have a clear understanding of what we're talking about because language is very tricky and you must be clear when you're expressing yourself as far as to get your point across and to make sure that you're understood. So what are reparations? Reparations are, well, the, the technical or definition term is reparative justice. Uh, justice applied by a government or an institution to make repairs for damages done over, over a period of time. Uh, reparations, as far as I'm concerned, pertaining to the United States government for the 500-plus years of slavery, Jim Crow, convict leasing, redlining, uh, GI, the, the, the fraudulent GI Bill, these, these are things that have caused us as a people in this country to be left out of the American experience. We have been not allowed the ability to be, for want of a better word, what I would call white in America. Other ethnic groups have come to this country, have, have, have been pushed to the side, but then for one circumstance or another, were allowed to experience the American experience, to acquire wealth, to have a certain status in this country that we, by virtue of our flesh tone, were denied. And I believe that this government should make restitution for that by making us whole, by giving us the wealth that we deserve, by, by, by allowing us with programs and opportunities to improve our lot in this country. That's why, and that's why I am, uh, I am for reparations. There are many cases in this country's history where reparations were paid out. You have Japanese Americans with the Marshall Plan when they were, when they were uh, interned in camps during World War II. You have uh, Jew Jewish Americans who were paid by the Nazi government or were paid by the German government, excuse me, after World War II for, for crimes committed against them and crimes against humanity. And you have instances within America itself that involve compensation for this uh, atrocity of slavery and prejudice. You have, uh, for example, let me show my notes here, you have the case of Hedda Woods, who uh, in, eight, in 1876 was tricked, led into a slave uh, state, and enslaved for over 20 years. And, and when, she, when she escaped from her captivity in 1870, sued the individual. His name was, uh, bear with me for a minute. His name was uh, Zebron Ward, the one who tricked her, and won the amount in that time of $20,000 for compensation. So there is a justifiable legal statute for, our, for my, what I believe should be all black people, all African-American people's claims, for reparations. Um, this debt that is owed has put us back several decades, if not, if not centuries. Uh, in, in comparison with uh, counter, our white counterparts, the white family has 20% more wealth than the average black family. Uh, the, the, uh, one second. The, uh, the, 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 the black students has 15 to 20% more debt as far as with, uh, for educational expenses and for general living expenses than the average white student or Caucasian student, if you want to be more specific. And these things have to be addressed if we want to move forward in this country on an equal footing and we want to have some type of moral standard as America always claims to have and always claims to be. Um... My, in my opinion, there should be an organized plan for implementation of this, not just, not only monetary gains or monetary compensations, but uh, other issues. 
I sort of like fleshed out a 10-point plan for myself based on things I have read, like the 10-point plan from Caricom and uh, other, uh, the Ron Daniels Institute for the 21st Century, Blackwell Institute for the 21st Century, things of that nature, and I put together a little something of my own. Number one, an official apology. And I mean a real apology, not Kente cloth leaning or, or, or just some uh, lip service. I mean a sincere, real apology by this government for all of the atrocities that committed during slavery, from the convict and, and, and the aftermath of slavery, Jim Crow, convict leasing, the medical abuses, the, the, the separate but equal, all of those things. This government needs to atone and apologize for those uh, incidents of institutionalized racism that caused a, a particular group of people in this country who, quote-unquote, were supposed to be Americans and, and, and were denied that right by the government that allows to protect us. So that's one. Two, um, uh, two, uh, let's see, two, we need to develop programs, institutions, to help uh, develop us financially and emotionally and spiritually. I would like to see institutes, institutions that help small black businesses. I would like to see some type of uh, institutions that help our youth, specific grants and, and, and loans for educational, interest-free loans and grants for educational pursuits of African-American youth. Uh, uh, specific schools dedicated to our history and our culture so we can be, so we can have a clearer understanding of our place in this world other than with, with, with what, what usually history starts with is slavery. We have, well, Africans have had a large, play a large part in the development of modern civilization. The Egyptians, the Phoenicians, the, 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 uh, the, the Arawak, all of these individuals in the past, all of these people contribute to what we, what we today call quote unquote modern, modern civilization. And that needs to be reinforced, especially in our, in our youth to give them an idea of where they come from and, and where they are going. Um, we also need a creation of cultural support institutions. As I said, as I stated, we also need launching for public health, uh, specific, we have specific health issues due to our, enslavement, and due to our abuse in this country, hypertension, diabetes, um, uh, vision problems, all of these relate to uh, the diets we were forced to eat, the ways we were forced to live, the, 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 the lack of care of the medical uh, institutions in this country, and we, we should have institutions and plans specifically designed to help us deal with those health crises in our community. And, and, um, and also, we need support for literacy programs. A large segment of the population doesn't really know how to read. And education has been left, left out in general in America, but specifically with African-American people. We need to have institutions dedicated to training our youth and also training our adults in, 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 in basic reading mathematical skills, and basic uh, uh, business skills, things of this nature, to give us a foot up and improve our lot as a people in this country due to the abuse that we, we receive. Um, we also, bear with me for a minute here, we also, I also want to transfer knowledge. I want, I want, I want an institution specifically for the youth because they're, they're the future. I want uh, like coding, computer aspects, all of these electrical vehicles, uh, the, the, the whole energy crisis, the technology, solar panels. I want institutes dedicated in, in urban areas and in rural areas dedicated to teaching those new technologies, to teaching, the, to giving the foundation so we can have some access to the future. I don't want us written out of the future. I want us to be part of the upcoming trends of, of solar energy, of wind power, of technology. And I think an effort should be made and a certain amount of, of funds should be put aside to the development of those institutions 
and the development of sciences predominantly in the African-American community. And I also think there should be a spiritual aspect. Um, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of damage that was done. And I believe that damage carries out through generations. And until we really can sit down and have like a reconciliation, a real admittance of this country's crimes and, and try to reach some type of solace between the quote unquote racist, because race is really nothing but a, a social construct. As far as I'm concerned, it, uh, the same heart that beats in me can beat in another man, no matter what color or creed or, or culture that he is. If, if, uh, if certain chemical and physiological differences are, 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 are compatible. So we need to, to rise above the idea of separate and racist. But before we can do that, this country must atone. It must make us whole again or give us the opportunity to be whole because this country is only reason this country is a world power or a large reason is because of the blood, sweat, and tears of African-Americans in this American experiment or American experience. That's it. That's it? That's it. All right. Well, thank you very much, Ed, for giving us your take on the issue of reparations from your specific point of view and with recommendations as to what should the future look like if indeed the country is interested in moving forward and uh, getting past the damage done in the past, which affects, of course, our future. It affects certainly the present. All right. If you have questions for Ed or you have a comment to make and we're not here to disassemble his argument, please ask a question, a question that has a, a destination, if you will. We're not going to go rambling all over the place. You can call in at 888-874-4888. 888-874-4888. Let's give Ed a little rest and we'll take this little break and come back to your questions and comments right after that. to lead stories on prn.fm and we just started introducing today a special feature uh, which is aimed at us educating ourselves how about that 
the idea is that so many people have so much to say and so much to contribute to our collective understanding of things. But there's no place, they have no place to put it. They have no place to express this information. So I thought it would have been a great idea to get people to come up with their own lecture series. And we will hear not only what is important to them, uh, specifically on any particular subject, but we'll also hear from them what they believe would be healthy ways to address the problem. Today, we start off with, uh, you know him as Ed from Queens, that's how we, we, we know him, Ed from Queens. His name is Ed Duzant, and he is from Queens. And he's talking today about a subject that is deep to him, deep in his heart, called reparations. The case, he says, the case for reparations. If you have questions, please let it be a question and not a debate. Be having the questions. Ask pointed questions if you must, but let it be a question at 888-874-4888-888-874-4888. Well, your first question comes from Chicago, and it is from Henry. Henry, you're on the air with Ed. Hey, Teresa, how's it going? It's going. All right. How you doing, Ed? I'm all right. How, how you feeling, Henry? All right. Um, am I only allowed to ask one question? Yes, only one. Okay, all right. One I'll, per I'll, customer. I'll keep it to one question. So, uh, Ed, uh, as you know, there's, uh, you know, there's different uh, organizations and movements uh, that fight for reparations. You have the ADOS movement, the American Descendants of Slavery, and then you have this Foundation of Black Americans movement. Uh, do you feel, because uh, there obviously there's some differences between these two movements, do you feel that uh, these movements are hurting or helping the cause? Uh, of this government giving us reparations? Well, um, I lost the last part of your question a little bit, but uh, I, I heard, I think I get the gist of it. There, there has been a lot of infighting within the organizations. Personally, I've ADOS, uh, American Descendants of Slaves. Uh, I've been involved with Yvette Carnell's organization for, for a few years. And I find that organization to be sincere in their efforts and clear as to how to represent or present a clear case for reparations based in factual and legal terminology. That's why I go to the organization. I know there's organizations like Incobra and uh, the December 12 movement. They have good platforms, but... To be honest with you, there has been a lot of infighting. There has been a lot of pettiness throughout the years. I think that's starting to, to die down. As time goes on, I believe people in the movement are getting more intelligent as far as to how to present a common goal between each other and not to get into who said this first or who was here first or, or who started this or who started that. Uh, I think that, that tone is changing. It's been my experience personally that that tone of the movement is changing and we're becoming more unified. Um, basically, that's my answer. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> uh, thanks a lot. Um, that was Henry from Chicago. Um, Jeremiah from New York is next. You're on the air with Ed from New York. Uh, thank you for your presentation. Uh, that was outstanding. And thank you for this opportunity, Utrice. Um, my question is basically who would be included in the reparation program? Because, um, you know, there's just so many groups that could reasonably uh, claim the right to reparations. 
you know, for example, you could have African immigrants who aren't American Africans, but immigrated to this country who say, well, you know, I was also related or a victim of the transatlantic slave trade. I came from Ghana. My ancestors were stolen, destabilizing my country. Uh, and that's why I find myself in America today. Or uh, Native American people, obviously, who weren't really the thrust of your comments, but clearly deserve reparations. I mean, reparations for them would be getting their land back. Uh, and any number of other groups that we could think of off the top of our heads who could reasonably make a claim for reparations. So who would be included in being entitled to reparations? Or would there be a tiered system? Or what do you envision in terms of that? Well, uh, uh, how you doing, Jeremiah? Thank you for your question. Uh, you have to be specific. As far, as far as my understanding of the reparations question in America, you have to be specific. You mentioned Native Americans or the original people. They have received reparations from this government. Treaties have been honored, but they have a specific case. They are a specific group of people, they, and, and they come as a specific group of people demanding a specific right that is their birthright, and we have to come that same way. I, am, uh, I find myself with uh, uh, Mr. Daughtry, the economist that came up with the with the first, with one of the first uh, books I read about reparations, and it would have to be, we are, we have to identify ourselves as a specific group because that's the only way you can you can bring a case in front of the court to have it have legal validity in this system. So you're talking about census uh, identification. If you can go back uh, to your to your ancestor as far as your great grandparents or your great great grandparents. If there's a genetic link uh, bridging from slavery times or, or um, uh, antebellum slavery times to today, uh, I understand there are other individuals that have suffered from the transatlantic slave trade and from the from the from the offshoots or offices of slavery. But you have to make your claims where they lay. You have to do like Booker T. Cash and buckets where they lay. If you're European. Of your, of your, your, or, or, or uh, from England, or black, or African, or with, uh, from, from England, make your claim to that government. I'm an American, you know. I'm an, uh, by virtue of, of my abduction, I'm an American citizen. And my claim stands with the American government. My lineage goes back to South Carolina. Um, I, I, can't, I can't everyone in on the claim because then the claim loses its effect. So there has to be some type of tracing, there has to be some type of census, uh, checking of the your aunt, how your, uh, your relatives may have identified themselves throughout the course of uh, the American experience, but there would have to be definable standards and benchmarks to allow you to enter a claim of reparation in my right. scenario. Excellent. Okay, All right, thank you. Jeremiah. I appreciate it. Thank you. You have a follow-up question? Oh, no, he's gone. E from Edgewater, you're on the air with Ed from Queens. Good afternoon, you trees. Good afternoon, Ed. Nice Hello, Good afternoon. I, I just wanted to know your opinion on back in 1966, Martin Luther King was invited to the White House by Lyndon Johnson, and Lyndon was going to lay out the plan for civil rights plan, where he was going to offer. So he had Martin Luther King come to the White House for tea, not dinner, not lunch, but for tea. And he laid out the, the welfare plan, welfare check every month, and low-income housing and projects, rat-infested roach-infested, drug-infested projects. Martin Luther King said, dream has become a nightmare because of this solution. He did not want welfare checks and low-income housing. He wanted good jobs, jobs that people could afford to buy their own houses. Do you think Martin was correct in this, or do you think he was mistaken in this? And do you think 
Black people should have turned down the welfare checks and the low-income housing in these projects. That's my question, Ed. Oh, that's a good question. Um, I, I, I don't think... Well, when you're talking about reparations, you're talking different from civil rights. Reparations has to do with the humanity. That's why uh, Malcolm X wanted to bring it before the world court. It has to do with the rights of a human being. Civil rights has to do with the rights that the society or the civil world gives you. That's why I don't think there was anything in compensating people by giving them welfare handouts or, or, low, or low standard housing. I think the whole idea of reparations is to restore, is, is restore, it's reparative justice, is to give somebody the means and the wherewithal to where they can operate in a society that has for years abused them and kept them down. And that's where, that's where the, the difference lies in civil rights legislation and actual reparations. We're talking about human beings. We're talking about giving people education. We're talking about giving people financial security. We're talking about giving people the opportunity to better themselves through education and spiritual development. And those things go beyond that whole civil rights uh, 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 platform that, uh, that, that that Johnson was trying to push. This is this is a this is an all-encompassing effort to restore human beings to the status that they should be. And it has taken place in this country. We have Irish immigrants. We've had Italian immigrants that were at the bottom of the food chain, socially and economically speaking. But they, once they found their niche in the police department, in the fire department in New York, once they found that social niche, they were allowed to expand, to acquire wealth, and to be a part of the society. And that never happened for my people. And that's where I'm coming from. I don't believe Martin Luther King was wrong. I, I, he's a genius. But he was doing what he could do at that time. But his plan was much greater. The Poor People's March, if he would have been allowed to live, his plan would have been much greater. And I believe would have evolved to more of what my idea is now. Thank you, E, for your question. Noel from Brooklyn, you're on the air. Yes, hi, Eutrice. Uh, hi, Ed. I'm a fellow veteran like yourself, and if uh, Eutrice is not too scared of me, if she comes back to Manhattan, <laughs> I'd like to meet you when she meets at the church. <laughs> anyway, no, Eutrice, before I get started, who was the, who was the one who uh, um, they called Pocahontas in the, um, what was her, uh, Trump called her that? Oh, I, I think I can't remember. Hello? I know the congresswoman, yeah. Oh. What, what's her I name? Hello? Yeah, I don't remember yes. her name. I, I know you're speaking about that. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. Remember her I, name. You'll see how that... Uh, so my question is, Ed, um, if uh, I'm an African-American, and I'm just using Eutrice's example, Eutrice and I are white, and we'll say to you, Ed... You need to forget about uh, those, uh, you know, reparations. Eutrice uh, and I and others, we had nothing to do with your enslavement. I, I live in Syosset, Long Island. I work hard, and so should your people. Well, I mean, what, what are you saying? I mean, you, your, your, your ability to have the wealth that you have comes directly from slavery. It comes directly from the persecution of African-American people the wealth that white people have. I mean, just because you weren't directly involved with, with, with the atrocities doesn't mean you don't benefit from them, doesn't mean you don't benefit from the institutions that were promoted by these atrocities. How many major corporations have risen out of the, out of the ashes of slavery? How many major institutions? Yale, Princeton, they all have, uh, 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 and, and they, some of them, Princeton has even copped to it as far as paying a certain amount of reparations to descendants of slavery. There are many institutions, actually the government itself, Washington was rebuilt after, after it was attacked by a slave. Benjamin Banneker rebuilt Washington from numbers. I mean, come on, you can't, you can't discount the contribution and the lack of acknowledgement of that contribution to you, to, to, if, you're, if you're a Caucasian, to your predominant well-being in this society. A debt is old. A debt should be paid. It's only morally right. 
Okay, the, the reason I was mentioning whoever that person was was Pocahontas. You know she looks predominantly white. Um, if, the, if we're going for reparations, somebody like Lena Horne or, or the, the person they call Pocahontas, how, could, how much percentage of African blood do you need to have in order to get reparations? And I conclude with that. We're not talking about crayons. We're not talking about color. We're talking about lineage. We're talking about heritage. We're talking about verifiable quantities, like how your people identify themselves on the census for the past 10, 15, 20 years, 30 years. We're talking about how the government identifies you. I don't care what, what your flesh tone is. Your flesh tone is your flesh tone. We're not talking Crayola. We're talking about identifiable traits and trackable substantial uh, benchmarks that would qualify people for reparations. Thank you very much. Ura. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks so much for your call that triggered all of that. Daryl from New York, you're on the air with E from Queens. Thank you for taking my call, Eutrice. And Ed, thank you so much for your presentation. Are you able to hear me? Hello? Yes, we can hear you. Hello? Uh, yeah, you're thank welcome. you so thank much. You. A little insecure because of the feedback. One, uh, the name of the senator is Elizabeth Warren. And um, to Eve, I think that he has the, um, especially in New York City, the nature of the housing incorrect. And I tend to doubt, especially since Martin Luther King's experience in Chicago, that that was the deal between he and uh, President Johnson. But getting on to reparations, my main concern with reparations is if I am an American citizen, that means that the government is me. And if I'm unable to keep the people who I elect to keep their commitment to other countries, other nations, then what makes, it, what makes me think that they're going to keep a commitment to me that they've never kept? So you start out with 40 acres and a mule, then you go to the 100 towns that were free and upstanding, and we're never protected by the United States government, and you go on and on and on. The other thing that I'm concerned about is it sounds like you're talking about a 20th century project with regard to, well, put it this way, how do you ensure that the capital that they're going to give you in order to build what you want will be able to get you what you need? And then how do you protect it? Because this country is infamous for allowing people, once they move from ethnic status to whiteness, depending on what they need with regard to the illusion of democracy, how do you, how do you protect yourself when they decide that, they've, that it doesn't serve okay, their Okay, ask the question so he can get to answering it. That's it. That is the question. Oh, how, thank you. Once you get the settlement that you're talking about, how do you make sure that, A, it's in 21st century economic terms? Because what Ed is speaking about is 20th century, 19th century economic terms. And this country is going through a revolution right now in which the economy, the economic premise, is changing from from commodities to data. And many people are oh. failing to understand that at the level that's okay, required. Thank you. So if you're talking the about question? ten years, yeah. what how are you going to get out well, us as the government? Because we currently have African Americans in quote unquote very high places. Okay. To okay, inform. I, not, I don't want to cut you off, but well, first of all, that's what I was talking about as far as my ten point plan. We're going to be looking towards the future. We're going to be looking. We're going to be working with young people, trying to get them involved in the technology, business-wise, technology-wise, uh, uh, infrastructure-wise in the future. Bitcoin, uh, uh, you know, programming. Those things are going to be part and parcel of the program. This is not an easy list. 
this is not a this is not something that's going to happen overnight. And you're going to have to have the ability to be open and flexible and change. You're going to have to work on the fly. You know, I've always been a person who's been able to stick and move, stick and move. If 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 there's a, if there's a change in the dynamic, you got to be able to flow with it. But the main thing is having the, the substantial basis to develop the concept of community. Once you have that community aspect, we had it years ago in the African-American community. We had it at the beginning of slavery, at the end of the beginning of slavery, when we were forced to live with ourselves and forced to deal with ourselves. Black Wall Street, Rosewood, those concepts of community are what kept, that, what kept, your, what kept my people together and allowed me to be here. And if we can reinstitute that, if we can build that with the economic reparation, with the social reparation, with the educational reparation, and get back to the idea of, yeah, I'm my brother's keeper. I love my brother, and I want my brother to be just as good as I am. If we can rebuild that unity, then they can't be us. There's always more people than there are. Than there is more. There's always more common people than there are more powerful people. And we got to remember that. The power's with the people, man. It's not, it's not facetious. It, it, you just got to believe. That, that's what I believe, man. You got, you, got to have, you got to have hope with it. You got to have hope with it. If this isn't going to happen overnight. It isn't going to happen in a vacuum. And it ain't going to be easy because it wasn't easy getting here. Brother David from Brooklyn, you're on the air with Ed from Queens. Uh, yes, good afternoon, and thank you for your presentation, Ed. Uh, I have you one question. I'm going to get right to it. Uh, and the question that I have for you is, what do you think would be the motivation for the people who really run what we call the United States of America to do what should be done to supply reparations for the descendants and the people who are present today who have been uh, victimized for uh, since people got here from Africa and what would motivate those in charge, the ruling elite, the 1%, what would motivate them to do all those good things that you mentioned? Well, I put it to you, David, what motivated them during the Great Depression? What motivated Rockefeller, uh, Getty? What, what, what motivated DuPont to do the right thing during that? They were afraid. They were afraid that this, that this American experience was going to blow up in their face. Power conceives nothing without a demand. And we've got to be prepared to put it on the line to force these people to do, to, 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 to do the right thing. I mean, I'm not saying be violent. But I'm saying you've got to be active. You've got to be. You've got to put. You've got to apply pressure to the system. A politician should be afraid of the constituency. If you don't do what I want you to do, you won't get my vote. You won't get my support. You won't get my money. And and and, and if, if I can amass enough of the population, at least ten percent, fifty percent of the population to do that, once their pocketbooks get hurt, they'll change their minds. And that's what we got to remember. It's, it, it, but it takes time. And it takes education, and it takes persistence. Thank you, Brother Dave. Lizzie from New York, you're on the air with Ed from Queens. God bless you, my reparations. Okay. Um, in order to find out about our ancestors, could you speak a little uh, louder, please? Excuse me. Could you speak a little yes, louder? Speak a little louder. Can you hear me now? Yes. Yes. Can you hear me now? Yes. Hello? Yes. <laughs> Can you hear me now? Oh, what's going on there? Speak uh, as loudly hello? as you can. I'm hello? not hearing anything. Neither. Hello? I don't hear anything. Lizzie, are you here with us? Okay. No, I well, I, you. I don't know that she is with us. Yes, she is. Hello? Yes. I guess I'm going to be cut off after waiting this time. All right. 
you're on the line. You just need to speak as loudly as oh. you can. I can hardly hear you, can, and I guess you cannot hear me. Okay. Well, this is not going to work because we'll be spending the entire time asking. Can Hello, you can you hear me, me now? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I can hear you now. Can you hear me now? I, I can hear you. Let's do this one please. more try. Let's, let's have you speak as loudly as you can. Okay. Uh, thank you so very much for, for doing this uh, um, program for us. My question oh, it's is really bad, is isn't it? Hello? Yes, I'm saying it's, it's very, very low. Your volume is very, very low, and we can't hear you too well. But we can stick it through. We, we, we talk okay, to people. I'm, we can I'll stick it through. It. Do, you, do you have any information of a completely black organization dealing with ancestral information? Okay, because there is one out there, but uh, his white wife uh, is uh, banking his, his uh, Ancestry.com. And... And also, did the, um, did the uh, uh, Black Wall Street uh, group, did they ever get their reparation? Or that was my two questions that I had. Thank you. I'll listen. Hopefully. I don't know if I can hear you. Okay. You've got to talk you. louder, too, because I hope you heard uh, that. Of course. You got that. You're, you're in charge of answering. I didn't hear I it. caught part of it. I mean, uh, do I have, I think she said, do I have any specific information pertaining to organizations. As I stated before, I'm a member of ADOS, American Descendants of Slaves, and the, the progenitors of that organization, of my organization, are Yvette Carnell, and uh, uh, I can't remember the brother, but Yvette Carnell, she's basically the chairman of the board, and you can Google her name and find out about ADOS. Hello? Yes, you're here. Hello? Yeah, I turned the dial to um, other than that, I know I've worked with Ron Daniels, an organization for the black world, 21st century. And, uh, there's, there's in Cobra, there's December 12th movement. I mean, you have to avail yourself. The beauty of the internet is that nothing's more than a keystroke away. So you can type in reparations and you can find several organizations, but just make sure you, 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 you take a look at their platforms and use your common sense. Try to, you know, find out what works for you as far as that organization is concerned and whether they're warranted or worthy of your support or not. That's the best advice I can give. Thank you. Well, suppose I ask you to summarize uh, what, from your perspective, from your point of view, is this a conversation worth having or is this a conversation you know that you go to meetings you hear the conversation and then you forget about it until the next time well that's the problem with reparation there, there, there have been periods throughout the American history even my modern history my, my immediate history in the past where there's been momentum and then the momentum dies and uh, the only way that we're going to get anything is through persistence. And, and that's, those are all examples from history. The only way we got civil rights, the only way we got right to vote, the only way we kept, we kept at it, we kept at it. The moment that we relax, the moment that we think we've made it to a certain level, the process of erosion begins. This system is not designed for our benefit. And until we can destroy the system, we got to squeeze it till it gives us what we can get. You know, I mean, it, it's, this is always a conversation that's warranted. This is always something, in my opinion, that should be in the back, in the front, in the middle of, of your mind, you know, because this country is built on the bones of my people, on the bones of our, of our ancestors. And, and the only reason that it's a superpower, the only reason or one of the largest reasons that it is is because a bunch of people came here, claimed they discovered this place, found people here, tried to make them work, and when those people wouldn't, they killed them, and they brought people from other place to make them work and, and claim the resources that were rich in this country. And, uh, you know, that ain't right. I want my 40 acres and a mule. That's it. 
be told, though, how has this, this, this philosophy, this work that you're involved in, how has it changed you, if it has at all? It's just changed me to a certain extent. It's made me, I used to be very cynical. And uh, some of the progress that has been made across the country, like in Virginia, where there's reparations were offered, like I said, with Princeton and some of the, the institutions of quote-unquote higher learning that have started, the people that have started to see and understand that uh, reparations are reality and that, a necessi- that they are they might even be considered a necessity. Some local governments honoring the fact that uh, that, that these are that the request is a real one. It gives me hope, you know. It gives me hope for the future. And I think that people, the more people realize that once plans like this are implemented and instituted, that everyone will rise. That it isn't a matter of in in the, in the larger sense. We're all human beings. And this is just something that I would want everyone to have or something that I want everyone to have opportunity to become who they are supposed to become. And I feel that this has a certain segment of the population that opportunity. And once that wrong is, is, is rectified, just like the Reconcil- uh, uh, Reconciliation Commission in South Africa, once those wrongs are rectified, we're that much closer to experiencing the full human potential that we can. Well, I want to thank you for being our test case today. Uh, You started off this series, it was just an idea, but the more I listened to the exchange between you and those calling, the more convinced I am that this is a great way to learn and exchange information and ideas and we'll just continue so thank you for being our teacher today thank you for uh, getting people inspired to think to think that's that's a huge revolution right there by itself and I want to thank you for uh, just being so amenable to doing something you hadn't done before. That's great. I appreciate the opportunity, and, you know, I, I, I feel it made me grow a little bit, and, and, and I look forward to hearing my, my, my comrades in the audience and their presentations in the future. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for listening, and power to the people. Power to the people. We will feature these lectures intermittently. I haven't developed a schedule. In fact, I didn't want to develop a schedule. I wanted it to be as spontaneous as we can get it. Um, And we will teach each other, exchange information with each other in this way, which is, dare I say the word, organic. Organic teaching and learning. So thank you all for hanging in and participating in today's program as well. Thank you. Let's get together tomorrow and do some more talking.